But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaves does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Psalms 1 verses 2 and 3. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Streams of Water Bible Study Podcast. We're continuing to work our way throughout the book of Micah. We're ready for Micah chapter 3. My name is Tyler Alverson, and with me, as usual, is Andy Baumberger. That is me. I'm here, and happy to be here. Yeah, looking forward to another episode, continuing to walk throughout a pretty powerful book in the book of Micah. Yeah, I think uh, as we've we've kind of looked through it together, studied it together, discussed uh, what we've seen so far in the first two chapters, I think we've seen what we've seen, what we saw in uh, Habakkuk, our other study of a minor prophet, very relevant, um, very important truths, timeless truths that were directed to a specific context, a specific time, a specific audience, um, but has a lot to say. Uh, to speak to us uh, today, really the beauty of God's word. And um, so um, I've, I've been encouraged by you know, studying Micah, and I think we'll see that same, same kind of theme um, and idea as we get into chapter three uh, today. Yeah, that's a great description, I think, for all of scripture, that it's, it's powerful, and it was written to a specific audience at a specific time for a specific purpose, yet still has relevance in our lives today. And especially looking at Micah chapter 3, we're kind of speaking, he speaks against those who are in authority. Last week in chapter 2, we talked about some oppressors, uh, maybe landowners and rulers, uh, prophets, those who were preaching. And, and uh, Micah takes the opportunity to speak against them coming off the coattails of chapter one, where he talks a lot about the judgment of God and how that's going to be poured out on not only the northern kingdom of Israel, but also the southern kingdom of Judah. Here, we're going to kind of zero in on rulers and prophets, right? That's right. That's right. He talks about, we'll see in verse one, he talks about the rulers of the house of Israel. He calls out prophets. And it's, um, I think it's important to know, interesting to know, um, something we see throughout the prophets and then uh, through uh, Jesus' ministry is that often when judgment comes, the first people that uh, the prophets and God calls out are uh, the leaders, those who claim to speak on God's uh, behalf, those who um, are supposed to be examples, uh, those who have authority. Um, so um, he holds them to account. We talked about that last week um, as well, and I think we see a, a kind of a continuation of that um, that that idea as uh, God is very unhappy uh, with um, with the leaders of Israel, and um, he points that out, points this out in a really just jarring fashion, and I think we'll see that in, in Micah chapter 3. So it's not a very long chapter. Andy, do you want to go ahead and read this chapter together, and then we can kind of dive into it and walk through it? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I feel like I always make you read first. So I'll, I'll, I'll take the first six verses, and then I'll let you finish it out, if that's all right with you. All right, we've got to spice it up. Change there it we up. go. Yeah, change it up. Micah chapter 3 and verse 1. And I said, 
Hear, you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice, you who hate the good and love the evil, who tear down the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron? Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. Therefore, it shall be night to you without vision and darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced, the diviners put to shame. They shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgression, and to Israel his sin. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob, and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice, make crooked all that is straight who builds Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. His heads give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed like a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins and the mountain of, a, of the house a wooded height. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, some powerful verses there uh, where if we go back to chapter three and verse one and walk through this in a little bit more detail. Andy, as you said just a minute ago, this is the prophet Micah speaking, of course, on behalf of the Lord. And he speaks specifically to the heads of Jacob and the rulers of the house of Israel. So we're talking to those who are in authority. We're talking to those who have power and are ruling over other people. Um, what is the, what's the problem? I mean, why, why does Micah take issue with them? What is he wanting to point out to them about how they're living and how they're reigning, how they're using their authority? What's the issue? Yeah, that key, the key, I think the key word is there in verse one, justice. We see that a couple of times in this chapter, we see that throughout Micah. And he's saying in this question, is it not for you, meaning the rulers, the leaders, to know justice? Uh, they have this responsibility um, with the people in their care uh, to administer justice, to do what's right, uh, to protect and take care of the people, to lead the people on the right way. And not only were they failing to do that, they were doing quite the opposite of that. And... Um, the, the greatest indictment that he gives comes in verse 2. He says, you hate the good and love the evil. They had um, their priorities. They had their value system all turned around. They loved to do uh, what was evil. They planned to do what was evil. We talked about last week. They're, they're planning it on their beds, and they execute it in the morning. And then they hate all that's good and, and just and, and righteous. And we see this really just vivid image of that Micah gives us of uh, what this looked like, how this affected uh, people. This imagery here is just is just startling. It's terrifying, really, 
but it's the horror of the 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 injustice of the of the rulers you tear the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin off from them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot like flesh in a cauldron you know i don't know for sure i don't think they were literally doing that but essentially that's what they were doing by exploiting the people by um committing these unjust practices by um you know um, basically uh living for profit and uh and not caring how it affected the people in their care and so they were they were essentially tearing the skin off these people consuming them um taking them for everything they've got and just leaving them to waste and so this is this is something that um, makes God uh, burn with with anger and Micah as well as um, God's true representative. These are the people who are supposed to take care of the marginalized and to make sure those, uh, according to the law, to make sure that those who were poor were taken care of. Whenever we look at our world and our culture here in 21st century America, uh, there's three different classes of people. There are those who are really rich and there are those who are in the middle class. And then there are those who are really poor uh, in the, the biblical world. It didn't exactly look like that. Instead, it looked more like you had those who were really rich and you had those who were really poor. There wasn't an, a middle class that took up the majority of the people. Instead, you'd have a minority that were really rich and then the majority that were really poor. And so, so here you have, these rich people, rulers, those who are heads, those who are leading. And of course, they would have had a lot of resources. They would have had a lot of riches, a lot of possessions, a lot of power. And they, they use that power to, to do injustice and to commit unjust acts. They knew the law of the Lord. They knew that they were supposed to demonstrate justice, but yet they didn't. Uh, and we'll see a little bit later in this chapter that all that they were after was another buck. Money talks, and it was speaking to these rulers pretty strongly uh, that just for another dollar, they were willing to do things that were unjust and to um, things that weren't fair. It kind of reminds me of what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, who was a contemporary of Micah. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Here you have kind of a similar statement about these rulers. They hate doing what's good, and they love doing what's evil and just devouring the people. There's a price that they're going to have to pay for that. He says there's going to be a time that comes in verse 4 where they're going to cry out to the Lord, and they're going to need help, and they're going to need salvation but God is not going to answer, and it's going to be their own fault. God's going to hide his face from them because they have made their deeds evil. Again, I can't help but think about Isaiah. Isaiah, in, uh, in the later chapters, talks about how the Lord's hand is not short, that he can't reach. The Lord's ear is not deaf, that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. It, it's your fault. It's the sins that you've committed that have turned the Lord's face away from you. And so I think we find the same thing here, that as a result of 
these uh, sinful things that they had done as a result of the injustice that they promoted and the evil things that they loved, the good things that they hated, one day they're going to cry out to God and call on God to help them, but God's not going to answer. They're expecting God's face to be there, but God's face is going to be hidden, and they have nobody to blame but themselves. That's right, and it's a fitting uh, it's a fitting punishment, it's a fitting retribution, because um, we can only imagine the cries of the people that they are hurting, that they are uh, essentially cannibalizing. They're, you know, chewing them up and spinning them out with, with, no, with no ear to their cries of help, of mercy. And so, you know, I think the, the picture we get here is, you know, because they, don't, they haven't cared about the people, because they're, um, they've chosen to do what's um, wrong so consistently uh, from their heart, they, they hate good, they love evil. God's saying, I'm not going to listen to your cry when I bring the just punishment coming uh, upon you you have done this like like you said Tyler it's their own it's their own fault and so they they can find no expectation of of help from the Lord if they were truly repentant if they truly changed their ways um, we know that God um, would have shown mercy but um, this is not the case here they these these um, leaders have over and over shown uh, that their hearts are full of evil and, and wickedness and um, we've got to be we've got to be careful with whatever power we have, whatever authority we have, whatever resources we have, that we are using those things to bless other people that we're not um, always just seeking to gain more power, gain more money and forget the people that are potentially hurt in in the process. So I think this is a challenge for everyone who has uh, authority over others, anyone in leadership. Uh, positions um, because God takes these kind of things very, very seriously. Yeah, my grandfather uh, said that one time he was sitting and watching an interview of a certain singer. I, I mean, I, I don't think the fact that I'm telling a story about her would get back around to her and she probably wouldn't care. Uh, but uh, she was, he was watching an interview of a particular singer and she was talking about her rise to fame and she kind of said it in jest, but you know, a lot of things that are said in, uh, oh, I'm, I'm just joking. Well, sometimes there's a lot of truth to them. She said, I've had to step on a lot of people to get where I am today. Um, and maybe sometimes we have that kind of mindset where it doesn't really matter who I step on. It doesn't really matter who I treat in an unjust or an unfair way. Uh, I just want to elevate myself. These people can be completely devoured. It doesn't matter to me. They can be torn limb from limb, but I'm going to do what's best for me. And of course, that's an attitude and a mindset that the Lord stands against, where potentially he even says to us, one day you're going to cry out to me, but I'm not going to listen to you. Andy, I like how you pointed that out, because you didn't listen to them. You didn't listen to their cries, God says. Therefore, I'm not going to listen to yours. So moving into verse five, we get a bit of a change of uh, who we're addressing here. We go from talking about the heads and the rulers in verse one to talking to the prophets in verse number five. Thus the Lord, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets. Prophets were those who were supposed to speak on God's behalf. God gave them a message. 
They turned around and proclaimed that message to the people. They were the middleman. They were the ones like Micah is doing here who would call the people back. They're, they're really not presenting new information, but instead they're calling people back to what God has already revealed and telling them that, look, if you don't obey God, then these curses, like you find towards the end of the book of Deuteronomy, these curses are going to come upon you. So here's God speaking about the prophets, and, and you wish you could read through this and say, hey, the rulers are really bad, but the prophets, man, they are spot on, and they are speaking on behalf of God, and they're like Micah, and they're calling out these rulers for the, the different injustices that they're a part of and how they're taking advantage of people. But that's not what we find, is it, Andy? Yeah, like you were saying there, you know, the prophets should have been the ones um, helping to keep these rulers in check, like Micah is seeking to do by um, teaching God's true word. Uh, but again, we see these prophets that, that Micah is calling out here. These are prophets that are also taking advantage of people. They're taking advantage of their of their. Verse five tells us that they cry peace. That is, they give this message of peace when they have something to eat, when someone uh, gives them what they want, they tell them what they want to hear, but then they declare war when um, uh, against him who puts nothing into their mouth. So they, they're, you know, they're bringing this message of condemnation. It seems like when uh, someone doesn't give them what they want, rather than just speaking the word as it really is, or speaking God's true message, uh, they change it based on uh, what the people can do for them when they should have really been serving the people uh, by giving them uh, the word of God, by truly speaking on God's behalf. And it goes back to chapter two, which we discussed uh, last time um, about um, the, the different uh, preachers that they were putting their security in the wrong things or um, people would say, you know, do not preach this message of of judgment um similar kind of i idea here um there's not there's not a lot of true preaching not a lot of true prophesying going on um it's all on the basis of of self-interest and um, um really really stuffing themselves just like we see the leaders were doing in the first few verses um just indulgent um selfish and don't really care about truth don't really care about love and again, these these are the kind of people that um, God is calling out through through Micah, a true prophet. Yeah, and he, he's going to make that distinction in just a little bit. That's about right. How, uh, in verse eight, he says, but as for me, in contrast with these prophets, he says, I'm filled with power and the spirit of the Lord. We'll talk about that in just a second whenever we get there. Um, but yeah, here's here's our people who are supposed to be speaking on behalf of God. And if I can get something out of you, then then we're good. But. If uh, you're not putting your money in the collection plate, well, I'm going to go to war against you. Uh, it's kind of kind of perhaps the idea there that we see with these prophets. It, again, I said this a moment ago, money talks. It talks to the rulers of Israel. It talks to the prophets. And again, it can be so tempting for us, too, that, you know, the only reason that I'm going to do this or the only reason that I'm going to do that is so that I can get something out of it if you're going to give me something to eat but if you're not going to put anything into my mouth well I, i'm going to wage holy war against you that's what these prophets were doing and just like god tells the rulers there's going to be a punishment for you not 
being who you should be and ruling in the way that you should rule, there's also going to be a, a a punishment for these prophets who are not preaching what they should preach or doing what they should do. And that comes in, in verse 6. I think he uses some symbolic language to say, I'm not going to speak to you, and I'm not going to use you. It's going to be night to you, and you're not going to have visions. It's going to be darkness to you, and you're not going to have divination. It, it's interesting that, and this is something I read as, as I was uh, reading Micah. I read a few different commentaries, and some commentators suggest that since divination was uh, it was outlawed according to the law of Moses, Perhaps he's even saying here that, you know, equating them with with secular prophets when he uses the idea of of divination or uh, divining. Uh, Interesting that it's going to be darkness where it should be light for prophets and God is speaking to them and the message is clear. He says it's going to be complete darkness for you and you're going to end up being disgraced. There's going to be no answer from God. Uh, you're going to be put to shame, which in an honor-shame culture, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's right. And I think we see a parallel here and kind of the flip side of verse 4, where the leaders, um, God is God's message to them essentially is, I'm not going to hear you. I'm not going to hear your prayer. Uh, well, in verse 6 here, to the prophets, I'm not going to, I'm not going to reveal to you. I'm not going to speak to you. Um, there's going to be uh, darkness, because um, even if God did speak to them, they're not going to really um, say, um, you know, tell his word. They're not going to really um, spread his uh, message. They haven't been doing that um, either way. And like you said, they are they are um, following the money where it where it leads. Um, whatever whatever is going to be best for their wallet, that's the kind of message that they're going to uh, going to speak. And I like that, that phrase that you said about, um, you know, waging holy war if they, you know, people don't put money in the collection plate. And I think that is um, something that is unfortunately um, common even in our day where people use positions of spiritual authority to manipulate others, to abuse others, to say, if you don't do this, um, then God is going to condemn you or God is, isn't pleased with you. Well, it's not really, um, it's not really God's will. It's the, the leader's will. It's the um, person in spiritual authority misusing um, spiritual language to get what they want. And, you know, you and I as, as preachers, Tyler, and anyone who has, you know, a position of, um, you know, so-called spiritual authority that claims to speak for God, we've got to be very, careful about um, how we talk about God's word, how we handle it, but also how we apply it um, as we're speaking to other people, not that we're, that we don't do it um, for selfish gain, that we don't do it in a way that we're lording God's word over people in an unhealthy, um, unrighteous way that exalts us rather than what God really wants um, to tell people. So, that's a challenge and a warning for anyone um, who is a teacher, a preacher. Of course, we don't have prophets in the same way, um, but um, there are many who claim um, to have that similar function, and yet they do it in a way that is, is uh, that hurts people and is ultimately dishonoring to God. That's right. Yeah, and instead of being like that, I, I think that's a great application for 
you know, not just preachers and teachers, but, but for anybody. That's um, right. That, you know, we're always, if, if I do this for you, then what are you going to give to me? How are you going to pay me? Well, if you're not going to pay me that, then I'm, I'm probably not going to do it. Of course, if you're going to work for an organization or a job, a, a business, then um, you certainly deserve to be paid. Je- Jesus talks about how preachers and teachers uh, of the word, when they devote themselves to that, Paul talks about it too, they deserve to be praised. You, you shouldn't uh, labor and uh, you shouldn't muzzle an ox when it's out working in the field. And so uh, what you devote your time to, you should be reimbursed for. But, but also uh, we can't get in the mindset where you're just chasing the dollar to the point that people don't matter, or you're chasing the dollar to the point that God's message doesn't matter. Uh, money has a lot of pull in our lives. And that's why I think Paul talks about that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. What, where does this evil come from? In Micah chapter 3, it comes after peoples, the prophets and the rulers, their love for money. Um, but it's good to know in verse 8 that Micah's not like that. Like he has to throw in this disclaimer. I was... Um, I was talking to a bunch of cross country runners one time and one of the cross country runners, we were talking about in different sports and how it compares to cross country. And one of the cross country runners said, well, you know, all cross country runners are just big sissies. Uh, that's why they don't put on the pads and play football. Or, and, you know, kind of went on like that. And I thought for just, well, hold on just a second. You are a cross country runner. <laughs> um, so, you know, that didn't quite add up. You might be reading through to verse seven and think, well, Micah, you're a prophet, aren't you? Um, are you lumping yourself into this group? And of course he isn't. He draws a clear distinction between his ministry and his message and the ministry and the messages of these uh, prophets who are only looking for selfish gain, who are ultimately going to be put to shame. Um, he says, but as for me, I'm filled with power perhaps stands in contrast to those who are going to be disgraced and, and put to shame. Uh, he says, I am a, as a prophet and filled with power. Well, Micah, is that your own power? He says, no. Number two, I'm filled with the spirit of the Lord. Go back to verse six in the Bible. Uh, God tells these prophets that there's not going to be any visions for you. And the spirit isn't going to reveal anything to you. I'm not going to talk to you. In contrast with that, Micah's filled with the Spirit. We've seen not only the, the rulers, but also the prophets. They are living unfairly, and they're living based on injustice. He says, no, with me is justice and might. Uh, they preached a message. We go back to chapter 2. They preached a message of prosperity. Uh, you find this throughout the Old Testament where prophets uh, would say peace where there is no peace. Well, here Micah is declaring to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. He's not afraid to stand up and to call sin what sin is and to apply that to the audience that's standing in front of him. Uh, so, Andy, what do you think about that that kind of neat contrast that Micah draws out between himself and all of these other rulers? Yeah, there's a lot there, I think. You know, that first phrase, I'm filled with power you think about that in contrast to these leaders you see what a a lot of they're doing um that is abusing the people is in a quest to to gain power to gain control um to preserve their authority in a way that is 
evil, but Micah, as a true prophet, reminds us our our true power, our true authority only comes when we are submitting and um in under the authority of of God and his his power um you know the the message has no real power unless it's truly uh from from God and if you are trying to gain your own power do things for your own selfish interests as we see in Micah chapter 3 God's going to take your authority away he's going to take um, these leaders uh, power away because they are misusing it in a way that is very, very um, dishonoring, disgraceful um, to God. And then he's filled with the spirit like you talked about. And, you know, sometimes we think about, or I guess in our, uh, our culture, we sometimes think about uh, the spirit as a, a very a comforting thing, which he cer- it certainly is because he, the Holy Spirit, he is a comforter, the comforter. Um, but sometimes we don't recognize on the flip side that um, a huge role that the Holy Spirit plays is to convict people of their sin. Um, the Spirit often, um, um, being filled with the Spirit, will often lead uh, prophets, as we see Micah doing here, to declare sin against people as a message of of um a message of calling out what is evil in God's eyes. And this is a deeply unpopular message for Micah uh, to be telling the people. He's not going to gain anything from this, right? He's not going to uh, gain any popularity. He's not certainly not doing this um, because it's, this message is going to um, win him some money. Um, it's not. Um, he's doing this because this is God's message from God's spirit. And he is revealing the truth by God's power, by God's spirit. And sometimes that means sin against those people who are sinful. It's a message of repentance. It's a message um, calling the people back to faithfulness. It's a message of judgment. And um, so I think that's important to, to remember. We, we ought not make God in our own image. We ought not make the spirit in our own image, but we ought to listen to what the Spirit truly says and proclaim it as He truly says it. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's all so true, and and we see that here in the text of Micah three. I, I like um, how you said that Micah has nothing to gain from this. Uh, imagine speaking to all the rulers and the authorities and declaring to them their sin and telling them, "Hey, you're in you're in power, but." Uh, there's going to be a time when God's not going to listen to you and you prophets. I mean, your entire life is based on God revealing messages. Yeah. It's going to be like nighttime for you. God's not going to reveal anything to you. He had nothing to gain, but kind of had everything to lose, but yet he preaches this message anyway, uh, because it is God's message. And we always have to be true to God's message, regardless of what the consequences might be. Uh, So, Moving into verse number nine, Andy, if if you're ready to go there, um, we see him transitioning back to the heads and the rulers. He talks a little bit about them. Um, What are some of the ways that he describes them? Again, we we see that key word justice come up, and he says that they detest justice. They make crooked all that is straight, just a different way of, saying what has already been said about how they 
they they love what is evil. They hate what is good. Uh, they bend uh, what is right for their own purposes. They make the straight path crooked so it's convenient and um, beneficial to themselves. And they detest the things that God loves. You know, um, Micah is coming with this message of justice and might, proclaiming justice and might. I think um, also included in verse 8 is, you know, that Micah is a person of justice. I think he's, you know, obviously he's not perfect, but he's got this character that the leaders and the prophets don't have. But in verse 9, we're told that the heads and the rulers, they detest justice. It's not that just that they're not quite measuring up to, to justice. They are they are detesting even the standard itself. And so they are actively against it with a high hand, with a prideful spirit and heart. And then verse 10, um, I'm sure you'll want to um, add some things on verse 9, but in verse 10, it continues the description. They build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Now, that's really striking to me because, of course, um, Jerusalem was supposed to be this uh, center for God's people, um, where the temple was, God's presence was, that would flow out to bless the nations, to draw all people in, to be a light on a hill, to be a city that's shining uh, forth God's goodness and blessing. And yet the leaders are building up their own kingdoms. They are building up this place that's supposed to be a place of blessing and love and and of God's glory, and they are establishing it on uh, the backs of the innocent, on the blood of the innocent. And they are filling and building Jerusalem with uh, their iniquity. So they're they're building their little kingdoms, um, they're gaining wealth, they're gaining their power, and yet they're doing this um, not by righteousness, not by goodness, not by God's way and God's wisdom, but by blood. And so this is a really uh, gruesome image of what, um, um, and a, um, a disturbing idea of, of what Jerusalem has become. They've distorted um, God's intention for uh, his people. Yeah, that is a, a very gruesome image. Uh, of this group of people who they hate justice. They're supposed to promote it. We saw earlier in the chapter here. They hate it. They detest it. Proverbs three and verse five is a very popular verse that talks about how we're supposed to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, lean not on our own understanding. If we acknowledge him in all of our ways, he will make straight our paths. Well here they like to take the things that are made straight and make them crooked. Uh, that's what they love to do. Like, like we said a minute ago, they, they love evil and they hate good. Here they hate justice and they love to take what's supposed to be straight and nice and they make it crooked. They take something that, that God wants and pervert it. And it's all, like you said, on the backs of those who they are oppressing and that they are treating unjustly, those who they are uh, requiring money of they're building their their community they're building what they're ruling over with the people's blood which just it doesn't make sense and and with iniquity with sin we know that according to proverbs that uh, when a nation builds upon god the most uh, 
the wisest man to live ever said, when you build your nation on God, then you are going to be blessed. Well, here they're building Jerusalem on iniquity, the city that's supposed to belong to God. Verse 11 uh, mentions what we've been saying about money, and he talks about uh, three different groups here, that they're all after the same thing, that the heads, the rulers, they give their judgments for a bribe. That's why they're unjust, because you can bribe them, you can give them some money, and they'll give you whatever judgment that you want. Uh, the judges are acting unjustly, and it's all for some money. The priests, those who are supposed to make sacrifices and teach the word of God to the people, they teach for a price. They're just looking to make money out of it. It's not about teaching, but it's about the money that they get. And then the prophets, here we have again this idea of practicing divination outlawed by the, the Mosaic law. They do something that the Mosaic law says they're not supposed to do, and they do that for money. Uh, so, again, you have three different groups here, the priests, the prophets, and the rulers, who are supposed to be leading, who are supposed to be God's representatives, and they are perverting God's will, God's law, and they are hurting God's people just to put some money in their own pocket. Of course, there's irony there, but there's also irony as you continue reading in verse 11 that they're looking to get money out of what they're supposed to be doing, yet they lean on the Lord. And they say, is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come in the midst of us. No, no disasters are going to come upon us. They, they are hurting people, and they're acting unjustly, and they're, they're loving what's evil and hating what's good and building Jerusalem on iniquity, yet they have the audacity to lean upon the Lord and say, well, it's all okay because the Lord is with us. And the Lord's not going to let anything anything bad happen to us. You don't have to worry about disaster. You don't have to worry about judgment. The Lord is in the midst of us. No, he's not. The, the Lord is not in the midst of this kind of people, right? Yeah, yeah. And that phrase, you know, they, they lean upon the Lord. I was thinking about that when you're talking about uh, Proverbs uh, 3, 5, and 6 in connection to, you know, making uh, crooked all that is uh, straight. You know, that talks about leaning not on our own understanding. And yet they they are going, of course, not by the Lord's understanding, not by the Lord's message, but by their own. Yet they still try to lean on the Lord. They uh, try to um, use him as a, a source of security and uh, protection and yet they they don't lean on the lord for anything else only when only when they're in danger when judgment there's coming they're saying oh well destruction couldn't happen to us we're god's people we we the jerusalem we're, we're in jerusalem the temple is right here the lord is in the midst of us god wouldn't god wouldn't do anything to his own people right god wouldn't do anything uh to his own city his own temple right and surely surely that wouldn't happen uh to us and so you know they they are saying that you know judgment can't come because the lord's in the midst of us well they've they've run away from god you know they're not in the they're they're it's not the lord has um you know left them at first it's it's that it's that they have abandoned the ways of the lord 
And so God, God's not going to be with them because they've, they've, they don't care anything about um, God's true presence, God's true uh, message, God's true holiness. And yet, like when it comes down to it, um, they try to lean upon the Lord um, to protect themselves and to um, have this false security. But that is certainly, certainly not the case. And then in verse 12, we're told, um, you know, they built Zion on blood. They filled Jerusalem with iniquity. And Zion's going to be going to be plowed. You know, this kingdom that they've built, it's going to be toppled. It's going to be brought to nothing. You know, they say no disaster shall come upon us. And Micah says, no, that's that's actually not right. Jerusalem's going to become a heap. The mountain of the house, because the foundation that it's built upon is evil. It can't stand. It will crumble. God will not accept that. And so, again, this consistent message of, of judgment upon the leaders and God saying, you know, you're on this path of destruction. Though you say you lean on me, I'm going to topple what you've built because it's not built on. It's not built on me. It's not built on my uh, purposes. Um, so kind of a bleak image here. You know, the last talk pretty consistently, there was a, a message of hope at the end of chapter two, which pictures God as a shepherd. Um, but I want us to remember that, and we'll talk more about this next week, that as we go into chapter four, there's going to be a, a very stark contrast of hope. What we see here about this message of of judgment about the mountain of the house becoming a wooden height about Zion being plowed in verse four, we're going to see uh, a direct contrast to that of what um, God has promised the hope that God wants to bring God's intention for his people. But for now, um, Micah, God through Micah is promising uh, this punishment and destruction. Yeah. Looking forward to that, that study next week and even into to Micah chapter 5, we're going to see some, uh, even a prophecy about Jesus that's quoted in the Gospel of Matthew. So we're going to get to the hope, right? But maybe sometimes it's good for us to sit and to reflect on our own lives. And that's am right. I a person of justice? Uh, am I living Monday through Saturday for money? And that's my number one pursuit and my number one goal in life. And then on Sunday, I come into church and try to lean on the Lord. Uh, it's uh, uh, I think sometimes it's good to walk through texts like these and to think about where am I in my life. And that's kind of what we want to do as we get ready to extend a challenge here as we close out this podcast episode. As, I, as we were walking through this text, there was a verse that I kept coming back to, and it's a verse that Jesus uh, that Jesus said to us, it's a quotation from Jesus that he gives in two different places. Uh, one place is Matthew 6 and verse 24. The other place is Luke 16 and verse 13. I'm sure that you've heard this verse before, uh, but I want to challenge you throughout the next week to think about this verse, to consider this verse in light of what we've talked about in Micah chapter 3 with these rulers and priests and prophets who just wanted money. And that was their number one pursuit. They do anything just to put money in their pocket. Consider what Jesus has to say. No one can serve two masters for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 
sometimes we always view ourselves as the exception. Well, it probably wouldn't be smart for anybody else to do that, but I know that I can do this. I know myself. I know how strong I am, how strong my relationship with God is. Jesus says, let me remind you of something that nobody can do. That doesn't leave anybody out. That doesn't leave any room for exceptions. Nobody can serve two masters. Look out in the world. If you attempt to serve two masters with all of your heart, you're going to hate one. You're going to love the other. You're going to have a favorite one. You're going to have one that's not your favorite. You're going to be devoted to one. You're going to despise the other. You're going to like working for one of them. And the other one you're not going to like working for. And so the application that Jesus makes is that you, very pointed, which in, in, um, in Greek, of course, that's talking about not just you individually, but talking about you collectively. It's talking about a, a plurality of people there. You cannot serve God and money. In Micah chapter 3, it seems that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to serve God and money, and they were actually using their service to God to get more money. Money was their number one pursuit. And the question we might need to reflect on over the next week is, is what is our pursuit? Are we pursuing the almighty dollar? Are we pursuing the almighty God? You can't do both of those at the same time. Jesus teaches us that we can't do that. So uh, let's take some time this week to reflect on Matthew 6, 24, Luke chapter 16 and verse 13. They both say the same thing. They both make the same point. And let's think about our own lives. Does Micah chapter 3 in this pursuit of money over pursuit of God and actually using my pursuit of God in my pursuit of money, does that apply to me? Does that apply to you? Or serving God, and he's my number one priority, and I would be content to serve him for nothing. W would we be content to serve him for nothing? Might be something just to reflect on and think about over the next week. Yeah, I think that's a really significant, important challenge. Um, we all have to consider that in our own hearts, you know, like you're talking about, sometimes we like to move too quickly to the, to the messages of hope, the messages of peace, but we really do need to um, sit with um, these, this, this message about our sins sometimes and consider, does this, does this apply to me? What master am I really serving? And, you know, we can read through Micah three and maybe we, we say, well, you know, I'm not a, a leader like them or, you know, I'm not, you know, tearing people's skin off and putting them in a, a pot. You know, surely I, you know, I, and I'm not very rich either. You know, so we can, there's all these excuses that we make to, you know, make these people that we're reading about the, the bad guys. And by comparison, we seem pretty good, but we've got to, we've got to look into our hearts, really. And, and if you think about it, you know, most people listening to this podcast um, by the standard of the world, um, if you're an American, you are, we are very, very rich. And we've got to consider um, how are we using those riches? How are we using our money? And is it, is it reflective of us serving our master God or serving uh, our master 
on money. I, I don't think I don't think we realize sometimes how much a hold money has on our hearts, on our actions, on the way that we treat other people. Um, um, but it's so so important. Not not because it's the money that's inherently the good or bad thing. Money is 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 neutral in of itself. Um, but money is dangerous because of what it can do to our hearts and how it can lead us astray from serving our true master. So I appreciate that challenge and appreciate your, your thoughts on this, um, this challenging and convicting uh, text in Micah 3. Yeah, I appreciate you, Andy. Appreciate your thoughts and uh, joining me every week and to uh, walk through some text. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us and uh, being with us on this journey through the book of Micah. Uh, We hope that this is something that's beneficial to you, and we hope that it's something that you'll share with other people. Andy, thank you again. Hope you have a good rest of the week. Same to you, man. Looking forward to next week. Thank you for listening to Streams of Water Bible Study Podcast. If you have a question, comment, or idea for a future episode, connect with us on our private Facebook group called Streams of Water Bible Study Podcast, or send us an email at streamsofwater13 at gmail.com. That's streamsofwater13 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.